Get more Star Wars discussions every month with the Back to Tank Patreon exclusive shows. From Star Wars comics and book reviews to speculative discussions and breakdowns. All when you pledge to our Patreon page. What? Go to patreon.com slash Digital for more details. As you wish. Warning from the Back to Tank contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue. We would be honored if you would join us. How are you feeling? Your latest workups on your condition indicate that all damage has been reversed. Recovery is total. I believe you have been quite fortunate. No further thanks are necessary, Commander, but you are most welcome. It is my function and pleasure as a medical droid to kill and heal human beings. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. All right, hello, welcome everyone to Star Wars from the Back to Tank. We are back for another Legends Wednesday exclusive. Yeah, put your hands together, David, for a Legends Wednesday broadcast. Hooray! Yeah, these are quickly becoming some of my favorite discussions, just because we can delve into that Rolodex. (laughs) That very large Rolodex. Yeah, of all the old stuff that we had grown up with and read through the years i know there's a lot of outcry with the retconning of these these portions of story but delving into them dave we're going to talk about this quite a bit today i get it i understand why they retconned these they they needed to they needed to but i mean like at the end of the day it it, a lot of people i noticed a lot of fans be oh it, it doesn't matter Actually, it there, does there's too many inconsistencies. There's too many in- inconsistencies. Yes, yeah. but it doesn't mean that it, it's a horrible story. No, no, like it's you good. have some, you have some fantastic work that was done in the red com- uh, in in the legends category. Yeah, right. Yeah, I agree. And um, today we're going to be focusing our conversations on the Star Wars Republic comic book. The Clone Wars comic is the official subtitle or subheading and uh, we're going to focus our efforts on issues 51 and 52 (laughs) and the reason for that is because we had talked a few weeks ago during our Clone Wars the 2003 TV series discussion on our previous Legends Wednesday we had delved into the character or villain known as Dirch. And we kind of got really excited about him and kind of fanboyed a bit and asked why, why didn't we get him in the movies? He's so amazing. (laughs) So we decided to go back and jump into his official first appearance within star Wars prior to the Disney buyout. And that actually takes place in issue 51 and 52 and we're probably going to talk about Ventress as well because surprisingly and I was not aware of this I did read these comic books I don't remember them at all because they had come they came out in 2003 that's a long time oh yeah I don't remember all the ins and outs of these stories but apparently Ventress was also introduced or at least her first confrontation with Obi-Wan was an issue 51 of this comic. And, so you, gonna- and the cool thing about it, you can definitely see the difference between Ventress as she was portrayed back then. Yes, it's a little different. It's very different, actually. If you take Do you a look think at so? I, I, in the, first, the issues I've read, I didn't get that there was a big difference. There's some verbiage, she says, that alludes to the fact that they, and this is where the inconsistencies come from. There is a, a general theme when it comes to the force that is very different than what they're doing now. And I would even say before the Disney buyout, I'm talking with the stuff that Lucas started doing post revenge of the Sith with the clone wars with Filoni. There was a big change in thematics and tone that didn't really mesh with 
the way people would speak and their agendas and the things they would say. And I would include Ventress in that. Oh, yeah. For sure. Absolutely. And when you take a look at, as I I said, when you take a look at these comics, you kind of get to see Ventress before we know her in Clone Wars. Yeah. And she's a little bit more rough around the edges. Oh, she's a ball of fury. She. Which makes her kind of hot. Yeah, even hotter. She, the Ventress that we know from Clone Wars kind of has a tragic tone to it. Mm-hmm. Like she's a victim, right? Right. But when you take a look at her prior to this, when she was portrayed in comics and especially in the animated series that me and you covered, mm-hmm. she's completely different. There is no victim inside of Ventress. She's a flat out evil human being she's more of a comic book character it's more like i'm bad yeah and there isn't a lot of depth there's not a lot of depth to who she is at this point so the comics we're going to be focusing on issues 51 52 are titled the new face of war part one and also part two and the new face of war that's quite a statement for a lot of reasons because it's actually pretty fucking smart and intelligent. It's not only stating the obvious that we were introduced to two new characters, Dirge and Ventress, right? Yes. But also the things they were doing. Welcome to the <laughs> new face of war. Yes. This isn't just your run of the mill, shoot em up, bang, bang. War is ugly. No, they're showing the real ugly side of war. Oh, dude. This- Barbaric war tactics, mutilation, uh, chemical warfare. No wonder Disney ran away from this. I loved the Dark Horse comics for this specific reason. Because Dark Horse held nothing back when it came to... I don't want to say... Story. I would say story and violence, yes. Yes, mature mature elements. Dave, absolutely. This comic is more on par with the earlier, with the late 90s Star Wars one, with the Tales of the Jedi and the Tales of the Sith that were also barbaric. There were moments where I, I, when I was a kid, like with Exar Kun and when he turned to the the Sith, I mean, that moment in the cave when he was being taunted by the Sith spirits telling him to give in and they will save his broken spine. (laughs) <laughs> that you will not die from a fucking boulder that fell on your spinal Spine cord. cord. I mean, it was, it's uncomfortable at times. I, again, oh, yeah. I was what, 16, 17 years old at that time. And even that, then I was a bit kind of taken back. I was like, Ooh, that's kind of, kind of dark. Well, especially in regards to this, uh, this, actually these two comics, because you, they took things that <laughs> we, when we, Fast forwarded to the future, like Gungans. Gungans are <laughs> innocent folk. They're easy. They're, no one's going to harm a Gungan. Mm-hmm. Don't hurt Jar Jar. Right. No. He, the imagery of a mutilated, zombified uh, yeah. Gungan. <laughs> oh, was, my God. Yeah. In this issue, it wasn't enough for them to kill an entire moon of Gungans. And we see them face down in water. Yes. We see body parts. It's morbid. It's morbid. But it, it, it doesn't stop there. Then Ventress uses a force to essentially reanimate <laughs> the, Gungans the Gungans into a zombie type army. And then Obi-Wan mows them down with a saber. I'm like, Jesus Christ, could this you, is fucking dark. Could you imagine like all of a sudden like the the cat the the crew of Clone Wars saying hey there's this comic out there can you guys do this yeah and all of a sudden Dave Filoni looks at it I never want to see this again this gives me nightmares <laughs> this gives- yeah and we're not saying it doesn't fit with Star Wars I do feel like it can fit with Star Wars but it definitely is a and not necessarily just because of the darkness and we'll get into this in a moment there are various moments that tonally just doesn't fit with the direction Star Wars went. And that yes. was the problem. And we're going to get in the dirge in a second. So I sit tight here. But that's the problem with the legend stuff. Yes. As one-offs, they're cool stories. Oh, they're cool. They're fantastic stories. I, I love them. But remembering that Lucas allowed them to happen and sign off on them, 
he didn't really look at them as canon. He might have said canon very loosely, but if he decided to come up with a new movie or a TV series, he isn't going to stop doing or stop writing what he wants to write because, oh, that comic book I signed off on or that book I signed off on uh, did this. So now I have to hold myself to that. No, he no. went right over it. That's why. That's one of the reasons why I got so frustrated with the attack of the clones. I loved attack of the clones, but I remember thinking, wow, you completely changed Boba Fett. Yep. So it never really was canon. That's why when Disney said we're retconning things, Technically, they didn't retcon anything because none of it was really canon. None of it was really canon. Yeah. I mean, like, honestly, that's what led to a lot of fans turning on Lucas because Lucas Lucas had his own vision for Star Wars. And that's why, you know, like the infamous fight between him and Timothy Zahn, why Lucas says Timothy Zahn's books do not are not canon. They do not belong in the star in his Star Wars universe because the tone of Timothy Zahn's books are far different than what yeah. we see in George Lucas's writing. Yeah, and they did work for a time, and for the most part, they worked when you look at the original trilogy, and m- much of the expanded universe came during that time, post-original trilogy. Yeah. And then, yes, a lot of comics came, comic books and books came out. But these writers did really well. They did. Uh, following the content after it had come out. They tied in to the content after Lucas's stuff came out. A lot of that stuff worked great. But anything that they continued, always you would run the risk of it kind of going against tone when you would go back now in 2020 and say, yeah, that doesn't really work. And that's my biggest problem with these comic books, with Star Wars Republic. There are so many inconsistencies that I couldn't imagine them not retconning it because of what they did with Clone Wars, uh, just in Clone Wars alone. So let's talk about this comic book, uh, Star Wars Republic, simply known as Star Wars for its first 45 issues. It was the official Star Wars title. And then after that, the Oh, Jesus, dude, the first issue came out December 16th, 1998, before Phantom Menace even aired. Yep. Or I should say premiered. Premiered. So, and it was simply titled Star Wars, and it was a way to promote the upcoming movie. It ran for 83 issues, uh, spanning from before the Phantom Menace to after Revenge of the Sith. Starting with issue 49, there was a rebranding. It became the main comic book, uh, the main Clone Wars comic. It was continued in Star Wars Dark Time series as well. So it took on several different names where they kept the numbering inside the pages. So on the cover, they would have new numbers. So, for example, after the 48th issue on the cover, it would say number one. Yes. But in actuality, they kept the ongoing numbers within the title, the opening page, just not in the front cover. Yes. So they want to let people know new storyline, but this is still part of the, the title. So it ran for quite a bit, 83 issues. It quit after um, shortly after the revenge of the Sith, which would make sense because that's also when Lucas had started planning the clone wars cartoon. Yes. So it makes sense that this actually ran its course. Now, even though it ran its course, it left us and it's not canon necessarily. It left us with some fantastic storylines. I I will say this. Oh, absolutely. And what they were willing to do in just these two issues here. The new face of war part one and part two which is part of an ongoing storyline called the new face of war. And it's actually a trade that you can get. And it actually encompasses more than just the two issues. It encompasses, I believe four or five total issues and you can buy them separately as one complete story arc. But this immediate story deals with a Gungan settlement that has been massacred. And oh. general Kenobi 
has been captured, and the separatists are planning to wipe out Naboo with a biological weapon. weapon. <laughs> now, this is not an entirely new idea. In fact, you can see similarities. In fact, there was an episode of the Clone Wars where they used a biological weapon to try to wipe out Naboo. Yeah, but the funny part about that, though, is it's like when you look at that, it was going to affect mainly the clones, right? And they were just basically going to suffocate to death, essentially. Right. Oh, yeah, just. Just suffocate. That, no big deal. <laughs> In this one, this type of biological, you have faces melting, you have blistering, you have boils. And I'm like going, this is actually what biological warfare is all about. And also, this is where Dirge really shines oh, and yeah. becomes this. I mean, he's essentially a character from the, the, the tales of the gladiators. Yeah. That's what he is. He's a gladiator. He mutilates, he maims, he, collects. he murders, he collects. And that's why I want to talk about him because I'm not all about the gore. I'm not. I do like it if it's tied to an important story or theme, if they're trying to say something. And I feel like that's exactly what they did they used the title the new face of war to also mean something poetically that this is the new face of war welcome <laughs> war is dirty war is disgusting horrific it's horrific and that's what they did they made it manifest by this character who's essentially war incarnate like yes. That's what he encompasses. That was his purpose. And that was the genius behind this character. And it's a shame that Disney, you know, won't ever bring a character like this into canon. Someone that they can use to actually make a positive statement about the travesties of war. Because honestly, that's what this issue was about. It was about the travesties of war. Yes. Yes, they were cool things for the people that love the bloodlust. You know, I found myself being a 12-year-old kid again, just like <laughs> clapping. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's cutting off people's arms. You know, a Jedi cuts him through his spinal cord and he says... I don't have a spinal cord, so that's not going to work on me. That's not going to work. He then grabs the Jedi's face and starts ripping her face off and says, I'm going to collect your face for a souvenir. Yes. He kills her master in front of her. Well, that was Ventress. Ventress cut off his head. Ve that's right. Ventress cuts. This is all happening at the same time, though. Yeah. All of it. Ventress takes the head of her master. Cuts the Padawan's arm off. All while releasing a toxin that's melting their faces off while they're fighting. And then on top of that, you have Dirge in the background trying to find the head of the master because he wants to collect it. Yeah. When the Padawan says, where's my master? Oh, his head's around here someplace. Yes. And... Dude, I, mean, I I love it. I love it because it's just it's raw. Yes, and it's so unique to Star Wars. Have we seen a character besides the Sith? We know the Sith are very barbaric at times. Not as barbaric as this. Not as barbaric. As I this. love that he is this warrior, this yeah. gladiator gladiator type character, and really isn't he kind of the predecessor to Grievous? Kind of. Grievous was never this cutthroat, though. He was a warrior, though, and also warrior. very gladiator-like. Gladiator -like. But I don't feel like Grievous took delight. I think that's yeah, the difference. That's he didn't take delight in murdering. He was more of a, a warrior with a warrior's code that respected the lives he took. Dirge, that's why I call him a gladiator. Dirge didn't give a shit. He was there just to murder. And that was the cool thing about him is that as he's killing people, He's talking about how Jedi haven't learned much in the thousand years that he was asleep. You guys are still using the same tactics. I'm well aware of your tactics. Because yeah. you have to remember, how, how old is he? Like thousands of years old? Thousands of years old. And like the character himself is so ripe with potential. But just like what you were saying about how vicious and how brutal the character is, Unfortunately, if they were to bring him in today, he had to be he'd have to be watered down. 
Yeah. Because I, you can't have no. a character like this. I don't see. Do you see Disney? <laughs> never. And never. Bringing Dirge into the into canon and then selling Dirge toys. Never. At Disneyland. Hey, guys, Dirge comes with a, the head of Jedi's. And I know what I know what a lot of fans. Dirge's most- accessories would be like heads and faces. Yeah, that's not, they're not, that's not going to fly at Disney. And I understand what some fans of Star Wars today are going to be saying. Well, we have our brutal characters too. Look what we saw in Mandalorian. He cut a person in half with a door. Yeah, but it's more implied. <laughs> it's more implied. In this comic book, we're seeing it. Dirge is straight in your face. He wants to rip, like what you were saying, Mike, at that one moment that's so brutal, he takes the Padawan by the head and says, I want your face for a trophy. Yeah. <laughs> and also you, you point to the Mandalorian and cutting someone in half with a blast door. You can get away with a lot more when you have a protagonist. That's good. Yes. Dirge for the most part is not good. It's I don't think good. there's a good, does he even have bones? There isn't <laughs> any goodness within Dirge. He's just sheer barbarian and possibly evil. I mean, even our characters have justifications, our villains. You can say, oh, look at the atrocities Dooku committed or Vader or Ventress. But at the same time, if you have an empathetic side, you can see like, okay, but I understand Dooku, though. Dooku feels like he's doing the right thing. Anakin feels like he's doing the right thing. Ventress feels like she was scorned by the Jedi. She's a victim. She's a victim. So there's reasons. And because of that, in terms of content, you can get away with things. A character like Dirge is a killing machine. Yeah. Dirge, for me, when I read about Dirge and see him in several issues of comics, and especially in the animation, Dirge is kind of like that horror villain, you know, like oh, Jason yeah. Voorhees. No, oh, for he's sure. unstoppable. He's essentially, I know in a couple of our shows, we talked about how I would get giddy when they portrayed Darth Vader as that unstoppable, unstoppable killing machine. Right. Right. Dirge is that, but Dirge takes joy in it. He revels in it because of that gladiator mentality of this is my trophy. I'm going to do this. Because I enjoy the kill. And <laughs> you ask, uh, is there any other character like Dirge in Star Wars? And I'm like, going, no, there isn't. Closest thing you could get is Darth Vader. But Vader, at least you look at him and say, yeah, he's an unsk- uh, uh, un- unspeakable monster. Uh-huh. But he's also very sympathetic when you realize who's underneath that mask. And you know, he has that flaw that takes away some that that lessens the blow of his villainy, so to speak. Dirge, there's no lessening. Right. <laughs> you get what you get. He's Michael Myers. He's Jason Voorhees. He's he he's Freddy Cougar. That's that's essentially what I realized when I started when you told me that we were going to be covering this and talking about Dirge more in the past. I I started researching the whole point for Dirge was to create kind of like that monster. Right. And, and you know, people, and, and listen, you could make the argument that, um, well, Dirge can work in modern Star Wars if you did this, if you did that, if you created a story for him and made him a little more sympathetic. And, and that would take away anything. But then that wouldn't be Dirge. It wouldn't be Dirge. It wouldn't be Dirge. He'd be someone completely different. I mean, you can look at that and say, well, look what happened with General Grievous. He's completely different from the, the his original concept. Right. And, you know, it's, and sometimes that doesn't work. Sometimes that destroys characters. I mean, Darth Vader arguably was probably essentially Dirge and New Hope. I mean, just the guy that was told, you know, that he killed the Jedi, killed Luke's father. There was no redeeming qualities. But quickly, when they realized, hey, we're going to keep telling the story, well, we need to give a reason why he why? is who he is. And they created a more complicated, more meaningful story with, with Darth Vader and being Luke's father, it changed everything. It changed the dynamic. And then in the prequels, look what you did. And 
The Darth Vader scenario, we always say this, it, it's a slippery slope. Even to this day, every comic book, every book, every new story that comes out that's about Darth Vader, I'm anxious to read. But at the same time, I am cautious because one bad move can completely undermine the excellence of Vader's storyline. Yeah. And so far, they haven't done it. It's breaking a character. You yeah. don't want to break a character. And with Dirge, I just feel like if they try to do that, you would it, break a character. You completely loses teeth because this is the character that is essentially nothing but teeth. Like, honestly, Dirge, I feel I always felt, especially researching the character further, was like he was supposed to be this obstacle that one of the Jedi heroes was going to overcome, whether it be Obi-Wan, whether it be Anakin, or even Mace Windu. That was the overall goal for Dirge, this obstacle that the Jedis would have to get, get around. To add sympathy or to do something like that would lessen the story of Dirge and the joy of actually, there is something to say about actually having a character that is just flat out evil. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> like, I'm not a fan of stories where you just have gore for gore's sake, but you can have those characters in a more... In a, if you have a saga like Star Wars that's filled with moments of substance, there's room for a character that's just simply evil. evil. There, there is. Yeah. But you have to keep him that way because that's why he's interesting. Now, Dave, I, didn't know if, I don't know if you know this or not, but Dirge actually originally was, he was created specifically for the Clone Wars multimedia project, which is what we're talking about. Uh, Lucasfilm wanted to establish a new memorable bounty hunter villain to challenge the Jedi. Yep. Uh, the first concepts of Dirge were designed by Skywalker Ranch Art Department, the same artist that developed uh, the concepts that appear in the feature films. Uh, he was further refined um, uh, in various iterations of Hasbro action figures. <laughs> yeah. Wait a second. There's a Hasbro action figure of Dirge? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I actually remember that figure. It's kind of simplistic, but it, yeah, I there was Dirge it. action figures. So Dirge was voiced by Darren Norris in the Clone Wars uh, miniseries that we had talked about. Yep. He has no lines in the series, but does let out a deep maniacal laugh when Obi-Wan stabs him with his lightsaber. <laughs> yes. Uh, in Star Wars Clone Wars, Dirge's armorless appearance was heavily influenced by the 1988 animated film Akira. And is reminiscent of the film's protagonist at the climax. That is dope. I can see that now. And dude, then when you get to the this particular comic, his appearance is awesome because like he looks like this Japanese mecha came to life. Yeah, especially the cover for issue fifty two, the Star Wars Republic, with Ventress and Dirge on the cover. Oh yeah. Doesn't it look like those um, artist renditions that are done for the Final Fantasy uh, posters? Yeah. Right? It does. Dude, it's amazing art. It is. The cover arts for, especially with Dark Horse, they're really good with their cover art. Big fan of Big their fan cover of their cover art. art. We mean you have t discussed how Dark Horse cover art essentially is very iconic with us Star Wars Especially fans. their variant covers they had. Oh my God. Some of them were Dude, so gorgeous. So, yeah, they were amazing. But now, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, but like, like what you were saying about the Dark Horse uh, art for the covers, 52 is honestly one of my favorites because like <laughs> that, that picture of Dirge and Ventress, it made me giggle because it made me think about the way we view Ventress now. And then you see her right here. There's, uh, yes, you can make the argument, sex appeal, stuff like that. Here, yeah, the, the 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 cover art just shows her as a complete badass, like she's a monster, and she has a bigger monster right behind her. That's yeah, good. It's really good. Yeah, the artwork's very, very good. But it's so different in tone when you get to the Clone Wars. Yeah, well, even when you go from Star Wars Republic issue what forty eight and forty nine, there's a switch in tone because you're dealing with with war. And that's why they needed to introduce these new faces pretty early on with this transfer from just the Star Wars title to the Clone Wars or the Star Wars Republic, because 
They needed to change the tone. They needed to introduce the the enemies that will be challenging our heroes. And with that challenge, you get the idea that these villains have no boundaries. They have no lines that they are afraid to cross. Yeah. And it does from a narrative standpoint, which we haven't talked about too much yet. From a narrative standpoint, it brings or I should say raises the stakes in a way that, you know, going back to 2000 and what, one, 2002. I mean, it raises the stakes in a way that we just had not seen in, in quite some time. Yes, some of the tales of the Jedi and tales of the Sith were pretty dark, but to see our heroes like Obi-Wan, people we've seen on screen and Anakin go up against these type of menacing figures. It was a great narrative device as well. So overall, I'm I'm a big fan of it. I, I'm sure there are f- more newer, younger Star Wars fans that just feel like it's more toxic masculinity. And, <laughs> toxic and yes, there there are some moments that are just definitely oh, OP yeah. as fuck. But you know, interestingly, Dave Dirge almost entered into permanent canon, and there would be nothing Disney could have done about it. Because originally, chapter 20 of the Clone Wars cartoon was going to involve Anakin and Obi-Wan having to fight Dirge. Yeah. And this was changed when George Lucas requested they introduce General Grievous. Yes. Uh, Dirge was also originally going to appear as the first bounty hunter in the 2008 Star Wars The Clone Wars television series. Uh, the supervising director Dave Filoni and writer Henry Gilroy considered reimagining Dirge as a human character. It, it just wouldn't have had the same punch. It wouldn't have the same punch. And honestly, the fact that it would have taken away that coolness of Dirge as this black ooze that just has lived eons. Well, when you hear that he was inspired by the 1998 animated film Akira, I mean, it just... Why? Why not use that? I mean, that's such a fucking epic moment. What they're talking about at the end of Akira. I totally see it now. And if you reimagine it to where he's a human and you lose that factor, then why even use him? Why even use him? It it, it ruins that it ruins that uh ruins that tone of that character. That in itself is breaking a character. Well, and that's why probably Filoni's a smart man, and that's probably why apparently that idea was very short-lived. The exploration of the idea was very short-lived and was ultimately dropped in favor of a new Duros character named Cad Bane. Cad Bane. Yep. And, and he's great as well. Cad Bane's awesome. Yeah. He's no dirge, though. I mean. In terms in terms of. Brutality. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> he's more of a thinker, right? Yeah. He's more intelligent. Bane's more, more intelligent. Dirge was like a sledgehammer. And that's what I really enjoyed. That's why I honestly feel I don't think you can ever get a character like this in today's Star Wars just solely because it's kind of like he's number one, he's too OP. Number two, he brings up a lot of questions about the Star Wars galaxy. Well, yeah, we had mentioned that during our Clone Wars discussion on the 2003 TV series. We had mentioned that, hey, you know what? Bringing a character like Dirge is just going to, it's going to introduce so many new questions about the world of Star Wars. And I understand why Disney didn't really include him or needed to retcon certain moments like, or certain elements like this. Because, yeah, with characters like this comes an entire mythos that possibly Disney wasn't ready to explore yet and they wanted to leave it open. Now, now. The funny part was after we, me and you, uh, me and you covered Dirge in that one episode. I actually looked into it more. Uh huh. And with the announcement of the New Republic, the the uh, the the High Republic. Sorry, not New Republic, High Republic. Yeah. The villains in High Republic. I think you there you could fit Dirge because the villains in High Republic are kind of like this. Wandering Viking, raiding, berserking, yeah. orc-like race that or, or faction that just basically comes in and kills everybody and then leaves. Was that the? Is that true? 
Is that what they had released? That's what they released sure. out of their concepts. Okay, that, that well, they were introducing a faction like that. Hmm. And Dirge could fit in that. <laughs> It'd be kind of cool. Yeah. It'd be kind of cool. But unfortunately, until they actually create or we see this faction in action, then we can actually say, okay, he fits there because once they make the faction sympathetic, because that seems to be a go-to for like everybody, let's give our, let's give our care. Let's give our bad guys sympathetic value. Still let's make them honorable to some degree. Then uh, my, my tone might change, right? Because you have to stay firm with dirge and say, no, he is a killer, a straight laced. I collect heads as a trophy killer. No, I agree. Let's move from Dirge for a bit here and talk a little bit about other moments within this comic book. More specifically, the tone. Okay, let's talk about the clone troopers and how I'm not a fan of it. It's very different. It's very different. And honestly, I had forgotten that's how many of the tie in media was uh, or the expanded universe was written prior to the Clone Wars TV show. They were treated as essentially just clones. Unimportant. Nothings. Not even worthy of a name. And it made me feel a little uncomfortable with how far we've come with the Clone Wars series and how they have humanized the clones and yeah. made them important. And many moments throughout the run of the seven years of Clone Wars was about humanizing these characters and showing that they do have a soul and that they are important and that they're not just simply copies that they each have their own identity. Yeah. And then in this comic book, it's so nonchalant. Like, yeah, I don't have an identity. And there was no distress. There was no respect. There was no rapport. There was no camaraderie between Jedi and clones and clones and soldier essentially. Yeah. And I, I'm in many ways, this is one big aspect that I am glad they retconned. Same here. There was, it, it would have created some blinding inconsistencies in tone. Oh, especially since when you look at the when you look at the clone that's portrayed here, he could easily be a stand-in for Rex. Yeah, and I'm sorry, the way that Anakin treats the clone in this one, and the clone treats Anakin, it goes it, it goes so against what we know that relationship between Rex and Anakin truly is, and what we got in Clone Wars, right? Which is far better. Which is far far better. It's far better because. Star Wars isn't always known for its philosophical aspects, but that was, in my opinion, one of the greatest philosophical aspects of all of Star Wars is the dissection of the clones and their identity. What's underneath the helmet. Right. And when you remove that, you just got a bunch of stale characters that are uninteresting and, and diabolical because I remember prior to execute order six, six, or I should say prior to the Clone Wars, there there was various video games, more specifically the Bounty Hunters video game, or not Bounty Hunters, the Boba Fett video game for, I believe, the regular PlayStation, maybe PlayStation 2, cannot remember. They had mentioned that Execute Order 66, they all had known about it. The clones knew about it, and they were waiting for the order. So think about that. If they had gone that route, you would have lost so much heart. You would have lost so many great avenues of story if the clones were all in on the secret. That they're just waiting to pull the trigger on the Jedi. So it needed to be retcon. And I'm, I'm talking about this, Dave, because I, once again, I'm defending Disney. Yeah, because as we know, a lot of people were upset about that retcon. But when you read a comic book like that, yes, there are so many great moments. And there are moments that I wish was included in canon like Dirge. (laughs) But then there's moments pertaining to story, which is most important. And not just story, but 
theme and tone. A theme and tone. That are completely disregarded. And if and if that was part of canon and brought in, it would be awful. It'd be awful. It'd be, You'd be awful. like, wow, that does not fit at all anything we've seen. Well, also, you brought up the fact how they portray the clones. Also, one of the core elements during this time in the prequels, too, is the relationship between Anakin and Obi-Wan. And the way it's portrayed here is far different than what we expect. Obi-Wan almost treats Anakin like he's a child. He's my son. Yeah. And Anakin looks up to Obi-Wan as if he's my father. That's not how that this is supposed to work. And it also comes off as Anakin's a bit of a burden. Yeah. Obi-Wan. So I didn't really like that either. I didn't like that either because like it breaks the continuity of what we know, what we got in Clone Wars and in prequels, which was fantastic. They're more brothers than anything else. Not like father son type of relationship. Yeah. Which is what we got here. Also, when you look at some of the meaning of the force and what Lucas had been working on prior to the Disney buyout, uh, the more poetic side of the force about the, the intricacies of the light and the dark. And that's a direction that Disney had definitely taken advantage of for the good when it comes to the new era of star Wars. And it's something that you and I had talked about quite a bit about the light and the dark and, and the importance of creating that distinction between the two in the way they've done, even, you know, through all the way to the last Jedi in this issue here, you have Ventress talking, which I am a, I am a sucker for that. I, I can see it working, <laughs> but she mentioned something entirely different and it changes the way you view the force and where it's at today, where it's at now. And even what Lucas was doing in, in later movies, right? And, and in the Clone Wars, she says, there is no dark side. When Obi-Wan says, you are the dark side, she says, there is no dark side. You lack vision to see the full potential of the Force. Now, I do like that. I do like it. I do like what she says. And it makes sense. If you're only willing to hold on to one side of the force. It's much like what Palpatine said in Revenge of the Sith about the dogmatic teachings of the Jedi and how they ignore everything else except for their idea, the light side, the good side, right? So, but also the way it was said and the way it was, I want to say, uh, fleshed out, it felt like it was a bit contradictory to what was being stated about the force in the Clone Wars TV series and moving into the sequel trilogy. Would you agree or disagree with that? I would agree with that. I mean, you make a very compelling point about that. And it just feels, it feels, it it feels less like you need both of them. For example, in the sequel trilogy and in moments in the Clone Wars, you get the idea that both are needed. Yes. And that they must work together, right? Yes. Two people working together to bring a balance, right? Or willing to see the balance. At least that's what we were thought. (laughs) Right. Well, they kind of went there still a bit, you know, to uh, let's not get into that. Let's not get into that. (laughs) But whereas this, there was a, there was, there wasn't that distinction. It was more or less, it's all one and you're only seeing a portion of it. Yeah. And the way it's, the way that I noticed, especially back in those days, how the force was viewed was it's a tool. Right. That's y- it. Yep. yep. It's just a tool. It's, there's nothing mystic about it. There's nothing, it, they, they wanted to ground the force into, it's a simple tool in the Star Wars universe. While in the new era, it's more seen as like a very mystic, very legendary thing that, just like you said, it takes two. The force takes both sides to work in unison. It changed a bit. It, it was changed. a little more mystic in the early days. And then it changed to something more sterile. More sterile. And something more grounded with the whole midichlorian and taking your blood as if you're taking an HIV test. And then when you take a look at this comic, it's basically the same way. It's like 
you you're looking at uh, when when she makes that comment that basically you're looking at it and not seeing the full picture. It very demystifies the force and says, "Hey, anyone can do it. You just you guys are just narrow minded. You're not using the the force to its full potential as a tool." Yeah, <laughs> and honestly, I can't say, or, or actually, as a weapon. That's how more or less that Ventress sees it as not just a tool, but a weapon. Yeah, and honestly, I can't really say any of it's bad. I I can't. If they would have continued this version of events and maintained these themes and tones, it could have worked still. I'm not against it, but because there is that disconnect, it kind of leaves these comic books in an odd place. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying people shouldn't read them. They are excellent Star Wars stories, but but just know they're a bit dated now and not because they've been retconned, but because just various aspects that just don't really fit with the general idea of star wars moving forward and i'm talking even prior to disney i'm talking lucas and felony and clone wars yes but but that's the 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 main name there is george lucas lucas has his had his own vision of star wars which was you know for better for better or for worse lucas was not into you know dark really harsh storytelling that basically is cut your head off and gore and all that seriousness. It goes back to like what Lucas was saying. Star Wars was made for kids and was made to be fun. Right. I'm not saying that this type of storytelling is not fun, but it's very serious. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. I, I don't disagree. So overall, Dave, I do feel like it's a fun read. It is. If you're a big Star Wars fan and you're interested in the character of Dirge or Ventress or even just as a a way to get into the minds of the, the writers at this time to yeah. see the direction of Star Wars of, of what it could have been. It's fun to see the differences. And honestly, that was my biggest takeaway. I had originally decided, hey, let's get into uh, the Star Wars Republic issues 51 to 52 as a way to talk about dirge. And yet as I'm reading, I'm like, there are so many more talking points here. Oh yeah. There's so many great things. And it ended up being a different type of experience than I expected because it started getting me to think it's a bit of an intelligent read because you're looking at the many different perspectives and the ideas that could have been. Yes. And that part becomes fun for a Star Wars fan. And that's what made this time period for Star Wars so great is because like when it was under the flagships of companies like Dark Horse and Marvel to some degree during this day, creative minds were allowed to say, hey, let's throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. And Honestly, like during that time, that's why a lot of us Star Wars fans of old hold these legends very highly regarded is because we got to actually see how Star Wars could be so imaginative and more concepts could be thrown into it. I mean, think about out of this during this time period, you had characters like Dirge and Ventress who were really dark. And then suddenly you get like a novel of uh, zombie, uh, undead zombie stormtroopers later on, I believe in the same year. And it's like, this is Star Wars. This was during a time when creative minds were allowed to just say, hey, take the franchise wherever you want. Yeah, it <laughs> that those were the reasons why when you look back, they were fun. They were fun. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what? This does conclude our discussion. My final thoughts, I pretty much sprinkled them throughout. I'm going to give these two issues, I'd say a 67% on the RMD score. If you're a hardcore Star Wars fan and you want to get into some old classic reads, start um, with these issues. You can start if you don't want to read the ones prior to Phantom Menace and you just want to get into the Clone Wars 
era, then start with issue 48, or I should say issue 49, and you will quickly be on 51 and 52 where Dirge and Ventress are introduced. <laughs> if you want to start prior, I, I've read these in years past. I remember them being fun. They still you, hold up today. You can, you can still enjoy those reads. Start with Star Wars number one. Why not? Especially during coronavirus when there are not a lot of comic books being published. Oh, yeah. So 67%, Dave, how about you? I'm going to give this a bit higher because this this still for me held up. It had the 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 tropes of that this type of comic book writing back in the day in the 90s. Yeah. And I can understand some people today kind of looking at it going, "Ah, it's a little rough around the edges." But it still holds up in my opinion. I mean, like uh the artwork still holds uh, there there it still holds true. Me and you have talked discussed how Dark Horse art in the past has been iconic for Star Wars. It still rings true here. The one thing, the one caveat that I would say for new readers, because there's a new palette out there for comic book fans. When you look at this, you might look at the artwork as quote unquote simplistic, but that's how Dark Horse was. That's how that type, the type of artwork during the 90s and the, the beginning of the 2000s, that's how it was. It was very, they were trying to go for a very avant-garde type of art during that time where people would actually use just simple one or two colors or one, it, like black and white comics were big during that time. They were making a big res- resurgence in, in Dark Horse during that time. So my final score for this one is uh, actually a 82. It's one of the best. It's one of the better, actually, Star Wars comics uh, I, I recalled. And plus, it gets that extra bump because you get to see the first appearance of Dirge and Ventress in this one. One continues on to the Clone Wars, completely different, and it's kind of fun seeing that. And another one is a big what if. Yeah. What if we could have gotten Dirge? Should we get Dirge? That's the bigger question. I'm kind of torn about that. I mean, you made a very compelling argument, Mike, throughout this entire episode that we 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 should have that character come back. But is it worth seeing them change the character that we have right here? Right. Yeah. Th- that's that's a tough sell. Who knows? We will see. I can't imagine us never ever ever getting a character like Dirge. I, there has to be some writer that's on that's working within Lucasfilm who grew up reading Dark Horse and is like, man, that Dirge character was dope. I'm going to bring him back. There's got to be, right? There has to be. Yeah. And if that's the case, then someday he may, in fact, make an appearance. We will see. All right. So this does conclude our discussion. I want to thank everyone for listening. Thank you, David. Thank you. May the force be with us. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs>